From the Allen Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Studios, Tom Barfield, Ward White, and Aaron Sexton. We're glad you're with us, and we're joined now by the sports director for KCEN-TV, the Tower of Power, Curtis Quinlan. Curtis, good afternoon. How are you, buddy? I'm living the dream. How are you guys? Doing terrific. We appreciate the time today. Uh, let's let's begin at, with college football. Let's begin on the Baylor campus. And, and your overall thoughts on Bohannon winning the job and, and the Bears naming him the starter this week. There were a couple of things that surprised uh, it, it surprised me at first until I saw until I went back and watched some of that Oklahoma game in the in the Big Twelve title game two years ago. Um, because the couple of practices that I personally went to, I thought Zeno looked a little bit better. But then you go back and you look at the Oklahoma game, and Bohannon made some incredible throws in a very similar scheme because that was a very multiple offense uh, team that Baylor had that year. And a lot of the stuff that Bohannon did well in is very, very, very similar to the type of scheme that they're going to run under Jeff Grimes. So once I kind of realized that, I was not surprised at all. I do think that this scheme very much fits Gary Bohannon's skill set. Um, and he's also, I mean, he's got just as accurate of an arm as any of the quarterbacks on that roster. So I do think that this was almost purely a scheme decision. So do you anticipate in this in this system, Bohannon carrying the football a lot? Yes. Yeah, I would be shocked if we didn't see a lot of design quarterback runs. If, yeah, I'd be shocked if we didn't see a lot of design quarterback runs in this in this system. Do you think it's fair to say we were talking – do you think it's fair to say we were talking a few minutes ago that this defense is probably ahead of the offense right now and that it may, at least early in the season, have to kind of help nudge along the offense? Hey, I think it's hands down. And honestly, I don't know that that's so much a detriment to the offense, but you know, when your defense kind of knows who the guys are going into fall camp, you're naturally a lot more further along. When your quarterback doesn't know who's going to be starting week one, at the most important position in sports when you go into camp, and it takes the entirety of camp to figure that out, your defense is just naturally going to be further along. Then let's not forget the factor that Dave Aranda plays in that. He's a defensive guy. He's You go to practice, he's encouraging the offense, and he's working with the offense from a defensive perspective, but then he just naturally kind of drifts to that defensive side um, because that's where all of his experience is. And so I do think that the defense is a little further along. Um, it's just going to take uh, probably those first two or three weeks to get the offense where it needs to be. And, and, you know, the other thing, Curtis, is this is a new offense. I mean, terminology and schematic-wise, the defense is in – and I know it was a rough year because COVID and they had to do a lot of things on Zoom. We just talked about that. But the bottom line is they understand the terminology in the base, in, in, in the base defense where this is a brand-new offense that, uh, you know, obviously was installed during the spring. So that's another reason I would think the defense would be ahead of the offense. Right. Imagine being an upperclassman on this year's Baylor squad who's been here since the rule days. This is your third scheme on offense, your third set of terminology on offense because, you know, you have the very multiple package under rule and Jeff Nixon and – Glenn Thomas, and then last year it's very much straight spread with Larry Fedora. And then now you're going to more of a wide zone, which is becoming the new hot offense in college football, like the, like the spread was about 10-ish years ago. Um, all those changes kind of play a role into that, whereas, you know, like you said, the defense, it's just fine-tuning at this point because that defense kept them in games 
that if we're being honest from a skill perspective, Baylor really had no business being it. And I mean that as a compliment to this defensive unit. UMHB gets started in a week from now, from this Saturday, the same time as Baylor. And what are your expectations for Coach Pete Fredenberg coming off that spring season with the Crusaders? You know, I think if the offense can continue to take a step forward every week like it needs to, uh, it, then I think that we're looking at another potential for a deep playoff run for UMHB, potentially a stag bowl appearance. I mean, Honestly, it's a lot of plug-and-play down there. I mean, everybody knows what they're going to get from UMHB. It's just a matter of, you know, how big of a drop-off is it from the star to this guy. But, you know, Bowden being back at quarterback really helps. and uh, The defense being as good and as much of a re, uh, reload, not rebuild type system, or type system and scheme as it is for the Crusaders – my expectations are high for UMHB all the time. I don't think that's a secret. I think that they have uh, proven they're like Alabama of Division Three. They get high expectations every year because they can deliver on them every year. I really don't think this year is going to be any different. And I think that that'll show that first night against Simpson. Talking with uh, Curtis Quinlan from KCEN TV. Curtis, the uh, ACC, Pac-12, and and Big Ten, they formed an alliance. Tell me what that means. I mean, I, I read Absolutely the I read a couple nothing. of articles, and, and I I can't figure other than hey, I think we'll get together later, uh, and and schedule some games together to kind of create a footprint. But right now, in in your opinion, what does that mean? Right now, to me, it means the only sensible thing that I can come up with is that if this is not if the Big Twelve's exclusion to this was not about money, and it was not about making sure the Big Twelve gets. The, the money it is due for Texas and Oklahoma leaving and any potential meddling in that that happened and any fines that come along with the Big 12 bylaws because of the OU and Texas's handling of the exit. If this wasn't about money and excluding the Big 12, the only thing I take away from this is the Big 12 is going to die. Whether it dies as a Power 5 conference and becomes uh, a G5 football conference or it just folds all together and the other eight teams go their separate ways. I don't know which one of those it is, but if this, if the exclusion of the Big 12 was purely for the money, because I can see both worlds. I can see where both worlds become a reality. If this was strictly so that the Big 12 makes sure it does get its money that it is due from this, then it means absolutely nothing other than the entire college football world is just teed off at the SEC and wants to basically create a anti-SEC faction in college football. That, those are the only two possibilities of what this can mean that I have come up with. And I think that the fact that it is not on paper makes this even more strange because there is no contract for this alliance. Hmm. George Klyavkov, the Pac-12 commissioner, was quoted as saying, we agreed to it. We just looked at each other, shook hands, and agreed to it. When's the last time a handshake agreement in college football went well? Yeah, they all <laughs> agreed to st – the, uh, the other eight agreed to stay together too, haven't they? Uh, anyway, uh -huh. uh, the, the, what, I, what I took away from it, I mean, not that, it, just from the Big 12 perspective, it just kind of felt like, you know, you, you're not invited. You're not invited to the, to the grown-up table. Go sit at the kids' table. That, I mean, that was, that was my take. And, and I wholeheartedly see that because look at how the Big 12 looks. The optics are reality in college athletics. And I think that that is one of those things that sometimes we just need to remind ourselves of. In college sports, 
the optics are reality. Whether that's fair or not is an argument, is, is a different argument, but the optics of the Big 12 are you just lost your cash cows and you have nothing left but eight teams drawing group of five television ratings. And that is a very legitimate possibility that the Big 12 got left out because who's left in the Big 12? You know, I believe that West Virginia accounts for the highest television ratings in the Big 12 past Texas and Oklahoma, at least in recent years, uh, in an article that was published um, on The Athletic right around, during the, right around the time that Texas and OU's exit was uh, becoming a reality. And so if that's the case, because I do, uh, I do, Tom, believe that that is a strong possibility, um, you know, I can see a world in where, you know, you're looking at the American 2.0 and that's basically the other three power conferences looking at the Big 12. And like you said, y'all stay over there at the kiddie table. You lost the two adults in the room. Curtis, a couple of days away from high school football kicking off. I know you guys are going to be spread all over Central Texas. What are some of the games you've got circled? Oh, man, I like uh, Lake Belton Mejia because I want to see where Lake Belton's at in his first varsity game. And then on top of that, how does Mejia deal with all the drama that's been surrounding the program the past few days? That is a town with a lot of resilient kids, and I have a lot of, a lot of faith in that team um, to kind of to handle this well. And Aaron Nowell is a phenomenal coach. Amen. It did not surprise me whatsoever that he got the interim, the interim tag. I'm kind of amazed he didn't at least get an interview for the head job or at least that we know of. Um, I, you I know, and, 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 and I don't know anything about that that situation. Well, would, it would not surprise me to see them go through the season at some point name him the head coach. He is that kind of guy. You're right. Exactly. And his kid's a senior, and so I know he wanted to stay in the Waco area, and being able to go to Mejia is, is, is about, you know, the next best option after, you know, the staff at Midway got kind of uh, – uh, rearranged, we'll call it, in the offseason uh, in June. But he's a phenomenal coach. That's a really good program that is headed in, has been headed in the right direction the past few years. How does it handle that adversity? How does it handle it when it goes on the road for an hour and a half to play a varsity football team that nobody knows anything about because it's its first game? That's one of the more interesting ones to me. Then our game of the week is uh, Bossyville at Clifton. Guys, the computer projections have that one as a three-point game. That has awesome written all over it. And I'm super excited about that one. I'm super jealous that Nikki Laterulo gets to go to that one. Um, and then, you know, Academy Rogers. You have two programs that are on the rise in 3A, two programs that are separated by, what is it, eight miles, and towns that just don't frankly like each other. And this, you know, Rogers is a dark horse in 3A Division Two this year. Academy, if it finds the right guys to – replace three graduating seniors in the offensive line at the Bumblebee team that has a lot of potential as well. And then I think, I think this is the one that all of us are interested in Temple and Wesley. How legit is Temple this year? Because I have them as my dark horse because of that region. Temple's playing Westlake. (laughs) (laughs) Breaking news. Yeah. How about that? (laughs) Hey, that one. I, I really believe that one has the potential to be a ton of fun for a number of, of reasons, including totally including Coach Dodge's that. swan song, if you will. Right. You got Coach Dodge's swan song. His defensive coordinator played college football, what, 15 years ago, 10 miles down the road at UMHB. Uh, by the way, 
former UMHB All-American Baylor Mullins, a fan favorite on that 2016 national title team. He's making his return to Bell County because he's now an assistant on Tony Zalazar's defensive staff at Austin Westlake. Then you have Temple. So many returners, such a veteran group for the Wildcats that won a playoff game in the state's largest classification for the first time since moving back up ahead of the 2018 season. It reloads. You have uh, Michael, Michael Harrison Pilot just kind of leading the way. And you have a team that is poised to make a lot of noise in 6A Division II Region Two if it can get the right matchups and put the pieces together and make the progressions it needs to. This is one heck of a measuring stick game for the Wildcats, and it's a game that should be a lot of fun. And what a way for Scott Stewart to test his defense that he takes so much pride in than to go up against the top quarterback in the state of Texas, a Clemson commit in in K-Club Nick. I love this matchup. Should be a whole lot of fun. Hey, Curtis, we appreciate the time today. Uh, Have some fun on Friday night and Thursday night, and we'll talk to you again soon, man. Absolutely. You guys do the same. Hey, have a great one. See you later. You 